Have you ever thought that you finally reached the place you always dreamt of, and yet something still feels like it's missing? Has a tiny voice in the back of your mind ever kept you up at night, whispering, there's got to be more than this? If you have lingering questions or feelings like these, I'm excited to introduce you to this week's podcast sponsor. Kim Knievel supports people to find more purpose, meaning, and joy in their lives through a blend of communications, events, and spiritual offerings. She uses tools like the Akashic Records, which she calls the story of your soul, to help people connect to their intuition and ultimately own the story they came here to live. I got a reading from Kim earlier this year, and I can personally attest that the information was so potent. Learn more on her website, kimkinebel.com, or just click the link in the show notes. Welcome to Off the Grid, a podcast for small business owners who want to leave social media without losing all their clients. I'm Amelia Ruby, writer, speaker, and founder of Softer Sounds Podcast Studio. On this show, I share stories, strategies, and experiments for growing your business with radical generosity and energetic sovereignty. Download your free Leaving Social Media Toolkit at softersounds.studio slash buy IG and join us as we do it all off the grid. Hello, hello, and welcome to Off the Grid, a podcast about leaving social media without losing all or any of your clients. I'm your host, Amelia Ruby. I'm the founder of Softer Sounds, a feminist podcast studio for entrepreneurs and creatives. And I am also your fellow explorer in this journey of running a successful, sustainable business without a social media presence. You are currently listening to season two of Off the Grid. And let me tell you, this season has been so fun and so full of amazing conversations and ideas. If you're enjoying it, I'd love if you would head on over to Apple Podcasts or Spotify and give the show a five-star rating. It takes about two seconds. And if you got a few extra seconds, I'd love if you might want to leave a review and tell other folks how much you enjoy one episode or all episodes of the show. They help us build a little social proof, which is something I'll talk about in an upcoming episode of Off the Grid. And I also love sharing reviews in the newsletter that goes along with this podcast. So if you have a moment right now, I'd really appreciate if you could go rate the show, leave us a review, and maybe you'll see your words in an upcoming email from yours truly. And of course, in exchange, I offer you my loving devotion and the free Leaving Social Media Toolkit. That toolkit includes a five-step plan for leaving any social platform, my list of 100 ways to share your work without social media, and a very cool database for organizing quarterly creative marketing experiments. You can find all that at softersounds.studio slash buy IG. That's B-Y-E-I-G. Go grab it if you haven't already. It's great. Over a thousand people have downloaded it. Tons of them love it. And it's also the only way to get those weekly emails I mentioned earlier. So announcements aside, let's get into the episode. A few weeks ago here on the podcast, I shared or rather reshared my five-step plan for taking a summer sabbatical. And in that episode, I offered you my process for planning and taking a break from one or more aspects of your business. And I got a lot of replies when I sent out the email about it, basically saying, thank you for the permission to do this. Thank you for the invitation, the suggestion, the urging to do this. I really need a break. And I couldn't figure it out. And now at least I have a starting place for how to plan that. So that's exactly what it's for. 
I'm so glad you enjoyed the episode. And if you liked that episode, you're going to love today's episode because it's going to take us deeper into a related topic, which is how to plan a solo business retreat. Now, a sabbatical is a break from work or your business, but a retreat is intentional time that you designate to work on your business. They're both breaks in their own way, just different types of breaks. And honestly, in my experience, I think they go really well together. I will often plan a solo business retreat during or right after my sabbatical because I use the sabbatical to like clear my energy and create lots of mental and emotional space. And then I'm like so ready for a business retreat because I'm full of ideas. I'm really excited. And I'm finally like prepared to do some deep work and make plans. Too often, I like try to plan a business retreat when I'm super burnt out. And then I go on my business retreat and I sleep for three days, which is beautiful, (laughs) but didn't actually like do the business work I intended. So I think a sabbatical and a business retreat go great together. And while I am pretty experienced planning sabbaticals at this point, today we have a special guest who's going to share with us her four-step process for planning a solo business retreat. So let me tell you all about her. Maggie Gentry is a thought partner to coaches and creative entrepreneurs looking to intentionally scale with a focus on marketing operations. She helps her clients create proactive, sustainable marketing plans and effective systems that support both the business and the business owner. Her approach lets values lead, prioritizes people over profit, and focuses on long-term sustainable growth over short-term gains. So I've worked with Maggie in the past. I can testify firsthand to her gentle brilliance and business mastery. And I'm so excited to have her with us today to tell us all about business retreats. So welcome, Maggie. Thanks for being here. Thank you so much. I'm delighted to be here. I'm so happy to have you. (laughs) So I'm trying out a new thing on some episodes of the podcast where instead of diving like straight into the topic, I can get a little intense. Like instead of jumping off the high dive into the deep end, first thing, I thought we might start with just like a little business check-in. So can you tell me and the folks at home, what what are you up to in your business lately? And maybe like, is there something that's going really well or not so well that you'd be open to sharing? Oh, yeah. And thank you. I mean, I it's always... I think just from our friendship and relationship over the past few years that we've known each other, I love that we can kind of journey into this space of just exploring all the different facets of being in business and being a business owner. And so for where I am now, it's, you know, coming out of last year was a a pretty tough year. There was a lot of uncertainty. There was a lot of me not really knowing which direction I wanted to take and feeling really stuck in that uncertainty. And you know, there was a lot of spinning the wheels. There was a lot of trying to grasp, you know, it was like the grasping for straws, just trying to find the quick fix solution, even though I it's this weird disconnect of I know that mentally I want to do something different. And yet there is like this unsafe feeling in my body that was I don't want to say forcing, but that was prompting me to do something different than what I really believed. So I feel like what's interesting now is that I've settled into that uncertainty a little bit more, and I'm, I'm seeing things begin to flow again. So there's something beautiful about that release of like, I'm not quite sure how this is going to work, but I really want to honor 
where I want to be going. And so I, I've been saying no to some things recently, which feels really good. I'm even just thinking, so our, our last conversation and we were talking about these retreats and you mentioned like, oh, what if you like created a retreat offering? And I sat with it for a while and then I was like, no, but I'm kind of in a phase of simplifying. And I think the two offerings that I have either could be used to that end. And so I, yeah, it just feels like I'm really honoring what feels true for me. And that feels really good. Yeah. Oh, I love to hear that. I think some of the things you said that really resonated with my experience were like releasing yourself to the uncertainty, surrendering to uncertainty. I think that's just a beautiful lesson for all business owners. I was just having a conversation for another podcast last night where I was talking, I was asked like what advice I would want to give to other business owners. One of the main things was just that the more comfortable we can get with not knowing and with saying no and with hearing no, (laughs) the I think more easeful success will be for us as business owners. And it requires so much inner work to do under all of those things. And especially during really uncertain times, I feel like I've spent all of this year and and most of last year, (laughs) this sort of looming message of like a recession is coming and it's going to like ruin your business. And eventually I had to just be like, well, I'm not experiencing it. So (laughs) maybe it's happening, but I'm going to stop worrying about it because it's not actually serving me in any way to be super stressed about this. And I think, you know, there's a level too where I think you and I subscribe to this idea of we're told that we have to be one thing for one person, or we have to niche down, or we have to have our hero product, or like all of these things that really feel to me very confining. And so I love being able to, and this is just me and my personality, but it's like I love being able to explore different packages and ways of working based on the person. And so even though that might feel antithetical to most of the business advice that we're receiving, it feels like it's what works best for me. And so I feel like when I can stop internalizing that that ad- advice for, for others, and again, it may work for them, it just doesn't for me. So being able to find what does, and, and I, it's like it's this reminder, right? Like I've learned this lesson before, but I'm learning it on a layer deeper. And so that's been hard and awesome at the same time, but it feels like it's it's happening very acutely in this moment in time. Yeah. I find the advice of like have one offering, like do one thing for one ideal client avatar, like very tempting. <laughs> like I, it just feels so like it fills that like desire I have for like a quote unquote easy answer or a quick fix of like, Hell yeah. I can just do one thing. Hell yeah. But similar to what you just said, like I never want to do just one thing. Like I really thrive when I'm doing not tons of different things, but multiple things. And I think that actually many entrepreneurs and small business owners are that way because to be a small business owner, you have to do a lot of different things, right? Like especially if you're a solopreneur or you have a tiny team, like you have to run your marketing, you have to do your sales, you have to do your operations, you have to do your website, you have to like 
skill build in all these areas. And normally what draws us to business ownership and keeps us going is that we like working in a lot of different areas. And I've seen definitely some folks who like pivot their whole business to this one thing model and then are just like, I'm so bored. Or it's like so hard to find clients that want this one thing. And I've definitely come across many people I would love to work with, but they have one offer and it's not like a format or a price point that will work for me. And so I just never work with them. (laughs) It's like a bummer. Yeah. And I I think it's a way that honors our multifaceted selves and who we are as complex beings. So yeah, it's been an interesting phase of experimentation. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Well, one of the things that's come out of that phase is you recently launched a whole, I don't even know what we call it, package. <laughs> it's not really a package. It's a blog post, uh, uh, digital resources, and a coaching support for planning a solo business retreat. So can you take us back a little bit and tell us what led you to plan your first or first few solo business retreats? Yeah, of course. So it goes all the way back to 2017 when our mutual friend, Amy Koretsky, was hosting a a small group business retreat in Joshua Tree. And so I went on that and hosted a workshop as a part of it. And it was such, it was, it was my first experience as doing any sort of business retreat. And it was so incredible to have those few days in a new location with incredible people. And after that moment, it it really sparked something in me of how can I recreate this for myself, knowing that I can't always <laughs> go to Joshua Tree yeah. for a few days. <laughs> but I knew that there were elements of it that I could recreate. And so after that, I think I did another one that year to work because that was in the spring. And so I think I I did one closer to the end of the year as kind of a year end recap prepping for 2018 type of thing. And then starting in 2018, I was like, oh, I want to do this regularly. So for me, when I first started out, it was just a couple of days that I would block my calendar and I was in, you know, my house just like doing it on my own. And then once I did that first that first one on my own, then it was like, oh, I think I want to make this into something that I can do regularly. And so for me, that felt like once a quarter. Yeah. And so tell us a little bit what a quarterly business retreat might look like for you these days. Now that we're like five years past your past your first ones, like tell us a little bit about your retreat and then we'll go into your process for other folks to plan theirs. But what do yours look like nowadays? Sure. Well, and it's, they've looked, each one has been unique. So again, I think it depends on where I'm at, the work that I feel like I want to focus on, what my capacity and resources are at that time. So I have had them where I don't know why, but it's like, I love a tiny house. Like there's something (laughs) about a tiny home that makes me feel very creative. So I've had a couple of them where I've really needed to be not in my space. Like I knew that my creativity was asking me for a change of scenery. And so I 
have done it a couple times where it's a couple nights at a tiny home, even in my same city. So I was just staycationing, but being able to walk to my favorite juice shop was an important thing one time. So I could go there and get my juice in the morning. I've done one where it was out in the middle of nowhere. And so I could see the stars and stargaze and I wanted to feel really isolated in that one particular instance. But then most recently, I've done this through, you know, when I started my business, I was married and then was divorced. And so I've been kind of single through doing this and then now have a partner and he's got a kiddo. And so it's like things have changed. And so my most recent one was just a couple of half days by myself. And so it was, again, blocking time. And I think for me, it's how can I just ensure that that time is dedicated to myself? And also, how can I do something that feels a little special? And so when I did mine for the spring, it was just two back-to-back days where I blocked the morning and I was able to have my slow morning routine. I went on a long walk and then I came home and I was able to write. For me, it's like I love putting pen to paper. That to me is where a lot of my ideas flow. So it was important for me to have my, you know, multiple colored markers and my (laughs) journals and post-it notes and stickers. And so it was just a matter of me kind of being on the floor in my space and I was able to do everything I needed. So it just kind of oscillates in terms of the, the structure, the length of time, the location. So I've kind of run the spectrum of what it looks like. Yeah. Yeah. I I love kind of starting here because I think that a lot of people, even if they press play on this episode, (laughs) might come from a place of like, well, I do not have time or money for this. 100%. Even I felt that way many times. You know, when you say, say retreat, we often think of these sorts of really expensive group, like facilitated experiences, and you spend tens of thousands of dollars, which is, you know, not really what we're talking about here at all. Really, a retreat can be any intentional time set to work on your business instead of in your business. That's how I think of it, at least. And I think it is helpful, as you kind of mentioned here, to to have a real retreat feeling, I think either a whole day or multiple shorter sessions a few days in a row, like however you can create the container. Like I don't know if it's a retreat, if it's like one hour every other month, (laughs) you need enough space to really get out of working in your business and work on your business. And I will probably say that 80 times this episode. So let me just say what I mean by that is working in your business is like doing the client work, offering your offerings. It's like the what of what you do. And working on your business is more of the why, the how of what you do. And you know, working on your operations, thinking about your mission, things I've done on business retreats. Every time I do a business retreat, I draw a I map my business ecosystem, which is one of the core pieces of the refresh or business success without social media, the courses associated with this podcast. I start there and then I figure out what is the piece of the map that needs the attention and then kind of move on. Sometimes on a retreat, I'll design a whole new offering or I'll decide to get rid of a whole offering (laughs) or I'll come up with a new marketing channel or think about how I want to utilize a new marketing channel. You know, you're working again on your business, on those marketing operations, core offers, community pieces, not in your business by like offering your offering. So I never, ever do client work on a business retreat. If I'm doing client work, it's not 
it's in my business, not on my business. Yeah, exactly. Hi, Off The Grid listeners, Amelia here interrupting our conversation today because I want to share with you one of my favorite marketing tools. When I left Instagram, I invited all of my followers to subscribe to my mailing list in order to keep in touch with me. And I promised to send them monthly-ish notes on a lot of the themes I used to talk about on social media. I've used many email service providers in my day, but my favorite of all of them is Flowdesk. Flowdesk is a gorgeous, easy to use email service provider. It helps you create beautiful, thoughtful emails, and even better, it's really set up to help you create easy to use landing pages so people can join your list and workflows so you can automate sending messages to folks who sign up through different pages. Flowdesk is how I run all of the welcome sequences and lead magnets at Softer Sounds. It's also how I run the Leaving Social Media Toolkit that you might have downloaded after listening to this podcast. I'm surely not sending those emails out myself manually. Flowdesk is doing all of that automatically. If you'd like to give Flowdesk a try, please use my affiliate link below in the show notes. You'll get a discount, I'll get a kickback, and we will all send more beautiful emails together. Again, check out the affiliate link in the show notes. For now, we're going to get back to this episode of Off the Grid. So hopefully by now we've convinced you that A, you deserve a business retreat. We want you to have one. And B, you can find the time, energy, money for this. It can cost $0. It can cost not so much time. It's really about intention and putting it on the calendar. So now that I've said that, (laughs) Maggie, can you walk us through kind of like your four-step process for planning a business retreat and how we can, how listeners can go about doing that for themselves? Yeah, absolutely. And it's a perfect segue because, (laughs) you know, step one is really making the time. And so I think that, and this is where it goes to looking at what you have the capacity and the resources for, if it is going to be you know, do you have a week? Do you need that? Or is it just like I did most recently and it was just two mornings back to back? So thinking about what is the time that you need and then also making sure that you are finding a way to protect that time. So my process is at the beginning of the year, I block my retreat dates on my calendar for that year ahead. So that way I know every three months, I'm going to have retreat dates held. And so when I block that time on my calendar, then clients can't book in. And so that time is just for me. And as I get closer to those dates, then I make sure that I'm also communicating with my clients. Because back to what you're saying about making sure that these retreats are times that you're working on your business rather than in it. I think for me being very clear and making sure that my clients know that these are days that I'm unavailable or blocks of time when I'm unavailable, that is what I need to make sure that I don't feel the pressure to respond. So if they know that I'm going to be offline, then it's like, that's what I need in order to 
really dedicate that time for myself and for my business. Cause, and that was something I learned the hard way too. I was like, oh, my clients don't know what I'm doing in a day. So I'm just going to take these retreat days. And then an ask would come in and I would feel compelled to respond. And so I learned that the hard way of like, oh yeah, I not only do I need to make the time, but I need to protect the time. And that goes for clients. It goes for any, you know, housemates or family members that you might have that could also be cognizant of and honor that time for you as well. So if you've got school pickup, can you still do that or can someone else help you that day? So just thinking about all of those little logistics. Yeah, definitely. For me, it's always like the dogs. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like I often will leave the house for a retreat, even if I retreat to a coffee shop for the day, because I can communicate to my partner I'm on retreat. I can communicate to my family. I communicate to my clients, but I can't communicate to my doggo (laughs) that it's retreat day. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I need to not be interrupted by three more walks than usual, Yeah, Um, which is often what happens when I move myself to the floor to work on the giant post-it note that I like to work on to make the maps and things. And then the dog is like, oh, it's playtime. So I like what you said. It's not just like making the time, but also protecting the time. And I love that you do quarterly retreats and plan them at the beginning of the year. I will say for anyone else who heard that and was like, "Uh uh-uh, I can't do that. (laughs) I am not a year ahead planner. I can do six months at most. And for me, my retreat cycle. And this really like an internal urge. I feel it. I need a retreat in like December, January, a winter one. And I need a summer one. I need one like June, July. I'm like really ready. In both of those times, I can tell I've like finished a cycle of the business and things have gotten, the new friction has emerged and I need to make space to like go sit with that and evolve into what comes next. So I would say too, for people listening, like you can start with quarterly, you can start with once a year, you can start with twice a year, but like trust yourself and trust, you know, those mm, intuitive urges or hits or pings or whatever you get that might say like, okay, things are feeling off and I need to like step back and process and spend some time with this again on whatever schedule that happens for you. And I should say too, just because I block those days doesn't mean I actually take the retreats on those days. (laughs) So, you know, it's also one of those things where for me, knowing that I've blocked time is just what I need so that when it comes closer to, then I can kind of adjust as needed based on where my life is at that point. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I do think as I kind of started the episode with planning retreats and sabbaticals. And for me, you know, a retreat for me will normally be a day or two and I feel less like I have to block it early. But like if I want to take three weeks off, like I'm doing this summer, I need to decide that much earlier in the year. And there's a whole new degree of communication and all these other things. So I think too, knowing like making the time, protecting the time also includes, you know, figuring out the length of time and deciding in our bigger context, is it a retreat? Is it a sabbatical? How do I intend to use this? And I think we'd both say like we recommend both. Like you need the the sabbatical break from your business. You need the retreat to work on your business. And for me, retreats, and I think actually this will take us right into step two in the process. To me, retreats also include, if not a sabbatical, like a moment of sabbatical, like a moment of self-care, or connection that does tend to you and your spirit. And I always need that before I'm ready to go like do oh, yeah. deep work. Like, And it's like a transition time from working in my business. I need a moment to like take care of myself and transition to be ready to work on my business. So 
Maggie, take us into step two in your process for planning a business retreat kind of relates to all that. Yeah. So step two, and and it's funny, I think that step two and three can sometimes be interchanged. So it kind of depends. But I'll say that step two is like assembling what I call your retreat ingredients. So really thinking through what is it that I need at this moment. And so once you've decided to take your retreat, then I think comes the fun kind of experimentation or you can kind of become a detective and just honoring and becoming observant in terms of where am I feeling called? What is the thing that I feel a lot of energy around, but I don't seem to be able to get to it? Or what is the thing that's, the question I love is like, what's the rock in my shoe? So is there something that's just drawing your attention that it really needs some love and for you to just dedicate a little bit of of time to it? So, and then also in thinking about that, you know, what, what makes you feel really good? So we were talking about a retreat is really about setting a container, like creating a container and an intentional container for your time. And so then it's like, what, what food do you really love? What food makes you feel really good? What clothes make you feel in whatever way you want to feel? So do you have an outfit? It's like, do you like putting on a little bit of lipstick or some perfume? Or like, do you want to get your nails done so that you feel like, what is the way that you want to feel and how can you support yourself in making that happen? You mentioned also the spiritual transition component. So it's like, might you want to work with a healer or a body worker? Do you want a movement class? Like, do you want to be with people or just incorporate movement somehow? Would you like to bring your tarot deck with you? Or what are the things that you need that will help you to really settle in and ground in to the intention that you want for this particular time? So I think that that, that's really important to just kind of be an observer in your experience for a while leading up to the retreat to really anchor into what is it that you want this retreat to provide or evoke or maybe even resolve. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And definitely for me, like anytime I go on a retreat, it's going to be about slowing down because when I get caught up working in my business, and I just feel like I, it's like I'm like a wind up doll and things just get like more and more and more and more and more frantic or scattered or <laughs> sticky. And like retreats are moments where I'm truly like I'm literally unwinding or I'm just like putting it away. We're like slowing down, really stepping out of that. So what are the ways that you do that, that I do that, that anyone does that so we can have those ingredients for ourselves for those reasons I shared like one, I think two provide the transitional space. Because if you're doing a half day retreat, as you mentioned earlier, Maggie, right, and you've just done client work all morning, but it's you're like, and you're so stressed, and you're exhausted, but it's your retreat afternoon, (laughs) you're not going to be able to go straight from like sending a really tough client email to being on retreat without some type of transition. Like that's really necessary. Or for me, again, part of the reason I like to do retreats away from home is because like the road trip to drive to the place is my transition time. And I put on like, a fiction podcast and yes. I love driving and I get like my favorite snacks and like that car time is my transition time to being on retreat. And so I think it's both like 
Now, how do we need to help ourselves transition into retreat space? And then what are all of those beautiful things we want to, ways we want to care for ourselves while we are on the retreat as well? A hundred percent. And, you know, so I'm, I'm based in Austin and, you know, so in the summer time, one of my favorite ways to transition is to go to, we have Barton Springs or Deep Eddy. They're both really lovely natural bodies of water. Well, Deep Eddy is man-made, but it's still a spring fed water. So it's very cold. And there's something about being in that water that can be that initial kind of trigger. Like it forces me to be in body And then after having that dip, especially when it's 100 plus degrees outside and then stepping out and then allowing the time after the water to begin my retreat process is really lovely. Oh my gosh, yes. I have to co-sign putting yourself in a body of water as a way to start your retreat. I have a mini pool in my backyard I will use. I will go to the float tank. I love a good float to start a retreat. You know, I'm much deeper in the Midwest. So not many bodies of water here. (laughs) But even a really nice long shower or bath with some nice Epsom salts, let's all start our retreats. I mean, you don't have to do this, but I invite all of us to start our retreats by like putting ourselves in a body of water, whatever it may be. The dream. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Truly, Um, truly. Yeah, truly, truly. Okay. So take us to step three. I know you said these can be interchangeable, but how do you decide what to work on on your retreat? Like, I mean, you said sort of like, what's the rock in your shoe? What's feeling really like it's drawing your energy? What's something you're either like really excited to work on or you just like need to work on so you can do everything else? But like, how do you decide what to work on on a retreat? Yeah. And, you know, why I say that sometimes two and three are interchangeable is sometimes this is so obvious to me. Like, I know what I need to work on, and then I can create the retreat container around that. And so I've done like the ones where I've been in the tiny homes, it's because I know I have a lot of writing to do. And for some reason, it's just like being in another space, like, helps the writing come. And I know that about myself now. So if you're, if you're not quite sure, or maybe there are several things, what, I like to do, and it sounds like it might be similar to how you're doing the ecosystem mapping that you mentioned in in your process, but I like to think about it, and there's a decision-making process that President Eisenhower made, so it's called the Eisenhower Matrix. And so you look at it on this two-by-two quadrant of the things that are important on one axis and then urgent on the other. And so when we think about working in our business, it's often the things that are important and urgent. So that's the client work, deadline-driven. The things that are important but not urgent, that's typically what I think of as like prime retreat projects to work on. So they those are the back burner projects, the things that were like, oh, must be nice. Or one day when I'll get to that. Or oh, when I'm not as busy. So it's those things. And oftentimes it can be like, mm, I, you know, threw that lead magnet up and I really want to write the welcome series, like as like a, a practical example. Or it can be, I really want to review my onboarding process because now that I have a few clients who've gone through it, I know that I want to really nurture that that welcoming experience for my clients a little bit more. So it can be the things that feel like they can be beneficial to the business overall, but it's just, again, not having that dedicated time to work on it. 
Yeah, I feel like things I've worked on on business retreats also run the gamut from designing new offerings to I've definitely did a one day retreat for myself where I just recorded six episodes of Off the Grid. It was really grueling, honestly. <laughs> I don't think I'd do that one again. But I will sometimes oh my do gosh. sorts of like content creation retreats if there's something I know I really want to go deep on and I'm like I can't find the time. I'll just be like, okay, I'll spend my whole day with off the grid. And I love that sometimes. There are other, what else have I done on retreat? I mentioned making the ecosystem map. I think because I retreat twice a year, I really feel like I need to reconnect with what is everything the business is offering right now? Because as I move through the year, people ask me for things and then I make them. And at every single retreat, I'm like, why do I have four custom projects right now? when I would like zero. <laughs> or I'm like, yeah. is that did that experience, is that going to become an offering? Or is that like a never again, Amelia, that was like not a good use of your time. So I really like to do those sorts of audits on retreats as well. Like what's everything I've done for the past six months? Let me actually check in with like, did it accomplish this goal, that goal, whatever it might be. And that really helps me avoid like mission creep, avoid taking my business somewhere I don't intend to go. Yes. Um, I think that that's like a really important reason to retreat because as you said, we're in that matrix of like what's important and urgent. That's often determined by other people, by our clients, by our customers, by our collaborators. Like I really feel that in my, it's like in my inbox, (laughs) everything happening in my inbox is that important, urgent stuff. And I really need retreats to let myself pull back and even just ask like, what's important and urgent to me? Because so often the urgency is determined by other people and I need to reconnect with my own urges and get to those things. And that's sometimes I need a retreat just to figure out what that is, let alone then another retreat to actually work on any of those Mm -hmm. things. And I think you mentioned the audit, which is huge because even I'll do that too, of just like an energy audit. And so it's thinking about whether that's projects or clients or what I'm working on and what feels energy positive, energy neutral, or energy negative. And that can be super super supportive. Um, Mm, I love that. That's really just quick, positive, neutral, negative mm -hmm. check in. Yeah. And, you know, and I like to use it as a time too, because I have kind of, I have four core values for my business. And so then I always like to check back in with them, make sure that they still feel true for me. And then also how am I going to live that value over the next three months? And so that's another way for me to ensure that I'm I'm, you know, living my values, which feels really important to me. Yeah. Oh, I really love that. And I think uh, as we've both shared here, a sort of retreat, as you retreat over time, you'll build these practices and rituals around your retreat. And so you'll have the sort of ritual of like, I'm going to get in the body of water. I'm going to start with the energy audit or with the ecosystem map or whatever it may be. I'm going to start, I always am going to pull a tarot card and light a candle toward the beginning of my retreat. Same. These things that you do every time. (laughs) And then you go into what's specific to that time, you know, the, the thing you want to work on during that period. And I also want to say that I think my most impactful retreats, I didn't come out of them with some like breakthrough revelation, a whole new business. Like like the impact is just that I've recentered for me. And so I don't like, 
we're not here, quote unquote, selling you a business retreat that's going to transform your whole business and your life. And like, you're going to come out the other end with like a million dollar idea. Like that could happen. Amazing. (laughs) But to me, it's less about like any external outcome and way more about just that I've like recentered with myself and my business and we're on the same page again. And that's just so important. Absolutely. I could not agree more. And I think that it is that reconnection because again, you know, to me, it kind of goes back to that urgency piece, which I think is so deeply tied to internalized capitalism. And so I'll speak for myself in that I know that I get caught up in that, even though I do everything that I can to unsubscribe from that belief system, it is still deeply embedded in my bones. And so this retreat for me is a practice and a process of decoupling from internalized capitalism, from decoupling from that urgency state of mind, from that scarcity state of mind. And it feels really important for me to reconnect to my purpose, to reconnect to my business mission. So yes, thank you for stating that because it's so true. I love what you just said. I literally wrote it down, decoupling. <laughs> I like, gotta remember that. Gotta remember this quote. So Maggie, take us to step four of the process then, working out the logistics. So what are you doing in this final step? Mm-hmm. I mean, now it's just kind of the the fun stuff of like, okay, now I, I know what I need to do. So if it is you decide you want to go somewhere, then naturally it's going to be planning transportation and lodging and travel. And, you know, then I also think about my communication plan. So who needs to know and how much time do I want to give them? You know, if you're taking a couple of days or a week off, then that might need a little bit more advanced notice, especially for clients. Do I want to book a session with a coach or a body worker or a healer. So just thinking about those things that you might want to do, or is it just, you know, I want to make sure that I've got my nails done before I'm (laughs) like, you know, so I want to look at like my amazing nail art as I'm writing my ecosystem map, like whatever it is that makes you feel really good. So just ensuring that you have all of those components booked, scheduled so that you can have this really beautiful and intentional container of time. Yeah. And I think too, maybe a piece of that's that's a little more forward planning is like saving the money, right? So maybe, you know, at the start of the year, I want to do two retreats this year and I need to make, you know, I bank with Nova where you can have reserves in your accounts. Like I'm going to make a retreat reserve and I'm going to set aside 5% of the money that comes into the business. And that's my retreat account. And that's going to be the money I can use to go somewhere or get the body work done or hire the coach or whatever it may be that I want during that time, get my nails done. (laughs) So just thinking about that piece of it too, that again, we've been talking about the intentionality, the planning, the, the centering of this. And sometimes that does mean you need to save money in advance. And that's great too. Like it's a way of taking care of yourself and your business and you can do that. Absolutely. Well, amazing. I love this conversation so much. Maggie, is there anything else you want to share about retreats and how to plan a solo business retreat or why folks should take a business retreat? I think we've journeyed through a lot of the reasons why I think they're really important. I do think it is just a way to, you know, I think a lot about kind of like 
quiet disruption of the systems in which we live in and kind of being able to exist within them, but find new ways to operate within them. And so I think that pausing feels like this rebellious act in some ways and moving slower can feel really counter to the world that we live in. And so I would just encourage you in whatever way to find moments to honor yourself, honor your business and come back to who you are and why you do what you do and how your business can be of service to the world. And for me, at least retreats have been a really beautiful way to do so. Oh, beautiful. And then to wrap us up, maybe we can both offer like one tiny tip that like you've learned from business retreating that you would want to a piece of advice for folks maybe planning their first retreat. I'm putting you on the spot. So I'll share mine first. (laughs) My tiny tip for planning a business retreat is give yourself an extra few hours or if you're feeling luxurious, a whole day at the beginning of your retreat to just like land and rest. I normally enter a retreat I'm like a road runner and I've like truly like sped all the way up to the retreat cliff <laughs> and then I'm like falling off the cliff into my retreat oh, no. which is maybe not ideal but what I've learned is like that's fine if I just give myself a day to land and like sleep and watch movies or even just a few hours to go for a walk get the you know the latte do the things so my tiny tip my hot take is all retreats should start with a period of rest mm. and a bath or a shower or a water, but like rest. <laughs> I like to rest first. Then I do my body of water. Then I go into my retreat. So I love that's that my tiny tip. Maggie, what's your tiny tip? So this one might feel silly, but it was huge for me and that my retreat tools. So I was trying to find like the most beautiful journal. And then I put all this pressure on myself. I was like, oh, I have to have the most exquisite ideas to <laughs> fill this beautiful journal. And so I think what helped me a ton was just going to the grocery store and buying like the 70 cent, you know, college ruled whatever journals or like spiral bound notebooks. And so having something that I felt okay to have that shitty first draft or shitty 14th draft was really important for me. So I think just thinking about your tools too that you'll be using on retreat and, you know, so allowing it to be a sweet mix of things that feel really precious and beautiful and other things that it's okay that you can mess up with them. Yes. Get an ugly notebook. I love it. Yeah. I mean, it's probably not ugly, but like, you know, a boring notebook. just like red. Yeah. (laughs) Or whatever. Oh my gosh. So beautiful. Well, Maggie, if folks want to go deeper with you and all things retreats, where can they find your work? Yeah. Thank you, Amelia. You can go to my website, which is maggiegentry.com slash checklist. And so this has a pre-retreat checklist for you and it's all stored on a notion board and you can look through some of what we've talked about today, as well as some pre-retreat inquiry questions to help you kind of dive into what you might want to work on for yours. Yes. The free resource is fantastic. And also you definitely want to upgrade to the full dashboard. It's amazing. I have it. I bought it. I'm I'm all in on Maggie's retreat support. So thank you. (laughs) Thank you so much for being here, Maggie. Listeners, thank you for listening. If you plan a business retreat, we want to hear about it. So reach out. Let us know what you plan. Let us know how it goes. You can send me a message on SpeakPipe. You can reply to an off-the-grid email. I'm always happy to hear from you. And next week, 
I'm going to have a special announcement about a way that you can retreat with me and the whole off the grid community later this summer. So stay tuned for that. Keep an eye on your inbox. Keep an eye on your pod feed. And until then, we will see you lovely listeners off the grid. Thanks for listening to Off the Grid. Find links and resources in the show notes. And don't forget to grab your free Leaving Social Media Toolkit at softersounds.studio slash by IG. That's softersounds.studio slash B-Y-E-I-G. This podcast is a Softer Sounds production. Our music is by Purple Planet and our logo is by Natalia Studio. If you'd like to make a podcast of your own, we'd love to help. Find more about our services at softersounds.studio. Until next time, we'll see you off the grid.